0: Welcome to round 34 of TKO on Joe, together with 32. We're a podcast and YouTube show with you every Thursday. I'm so pleased to say that our guest this week is a former boxer, he's a firefighter, he's been an actor, he's an integral part of Carl's training camp, and he's also integral to the setup here at the Moss Side Fire Station Boxing Gym, bringing you from all over the area to learn boxing and give them a place and a feeling of community. It is none other than this man, Mr. Nigel Travis. How you doing, Nigel? All like right, kid. Good to see you, mate. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Carl's with us, as well.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you fool. Fucking hell. You look good, mate. You look good. Yeah. That is a helmet and a half. <laughs> and the hat's nice, isn't Ooh, isn't is
2: is this your helmet? No.
0: Joe presents TKO, together with 32 Red. Right, so we're in the ring uh, at the Mossai Fire Station Boxing Club. Do you know about the conversation I had with Nigel on the phone last night? No. So I rang him just to like firm up times and stuff for tomorrow, and he answers. He went, "Chris, I'm just putting out a fire. I'll give you a call back when it's sorted out." What he's really doing? Go on. Getting the cat out of a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> doesn't put out fire,
2: Nigel. But, but
0: you, right? So you do a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of like scenario training and stuff like that for all eventualities. But last night when you rang me back, sounds like one of the weirdest ones you've ever attended.
1: Yeah, I'm doing it. 25 years now and it was one of my weirdest moments just because of the, the setup of the house the, sometimes you go to, to houses that are, are not the best some you go to the, the million pound houses so incidents happen anywhere but the house we had last night was particularly difficult to manoeuvre around because they had a few dogs and the dogs uh, had left waste around and uh, it was everywhere Absolutely everywhere, and you've got to negotiate your way around looking for a fire and dealing with a fire. So, standing <laughs> like, oh, uh, So, so now, you, yeah. it was.
0: Uh, well, there's a family just living amongst the the people, shit. Yeah,
1: you'd be amazed how people live. You would be amazed, obviously. I mean, I've seen Carl's house.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> covered in the what stuff, a mate. Shit's so, <laughs> Covered in the stuff. No, no. It's,
1: it's, it's, well, seriously, I mean, his dog, not a real dog, it's like a little. Like little a hamster, fairy. yeah. But, no, it was uh, particularly. Gruesome, you know how people live and It's sad. It wasn't. It wasn't that these people were, you know, were destitute or, or poverty-stricken, I and mean, they had. They sent things around the house, but just the living conditions were quite. Because I, sure. don't,
0: I don't really yeah. understand. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I don't understand. How. <laughs> literally. Because presumably you get a dog, and then at some point it's going to shit in the house, and then at that point you go right. Well, let's potty yeah. train it and teach uh, it. You would also They've you obviously dream. just. Well, you know, like you know, so on, your house you know? train it. So yeah. you house train it. Yeah.
1: But Save at some point,
0: you start getting the dog to go on a potty, you're doing very well. <laughs>
1: you're doing extremely, extremely well. Yeah, it needs to be in Hollywood. What you have to understand is that there's kids living in there as well, so that's not conducive to a, to a decent living. Conducive yeah. means uh, it doesn't. marries up well. So okay, I know. He went to mug you off and then couldn't <laughs> think of an <the> excuse.
0: <laughs> Keeping that in. Um, what, what's the sort of majority of calls out that you get? Is it fires or is there, are there a lot of other things? Yeah,
1: it really is everything. The best thing about the job is that you never ever know. So anytime the the bells go down, so in, any call can be anything from a waste of time, from a, a malicious call to a raging inferno. It's, it's that vast, and you never know. That's the the beauty of the job, and that's why I love it. You know, it, when you know you're gonna go and dig holes or yeah. sweep floors or you know you know what you're doing. I never know what I'm doing. So sometimes we can we do go very rarely because it's quite a, a busy station Moss Side. Very rarely do we do we do we go a whole shift without a fire call or a call in event of some sort. So that's that's why I'm here really it's the busiest station in the brigade.
0: So you're doing that full time. We'll come onto this place in a little while. You're doing this. You're part of Carl's camp working obviously with, with Rocky Fielding and Martin Murray and Tommy Cole and Jack Catterall and Carl and everyone else with Jamie at the VIP, Jim and Astley. I don't really know when he finds any time to no sleep. I,
2: mantle. He'll tell you about it in a minute, but <laughs> He comes in. You can tell when he's been on the nights, cause you never think of him as tired. Like you never see him tired, but you can just tell when he's had ten coffees. I mean, coffees
1: an amazing, amazing thing. He's off his nut. Like <laughs> he would come in
2: off the nights. I don't. What time do you finish a night shift?
1: Half past eight in the morning.
2: Half past eight, and then he's in the. You know, we come and pick me and Stevie up on Monday, for example, from the airport at like eleven. I don't. Do you sleep in between
1: the half no. eight? No, I don't sleep in between unless I've been absolutely... Unless I've been hammered. But how do you do it? Because they say, so cognitively, apparently if
0: you've had 20 hours awake, you're about as functional as you are when you're drunk. He's a freak of nature, miles. that's Because that, how... you know we were joking about my, my link to camera when we came to see you in Philadelphia when you did your hand. I've yeah. been awake for like 23 hours. I could barely speak. Oh, I couldn't function.
1: So how I mean, do you do that? On- I think it's just like any, anything that you do, whether in, in the boxing facility or whatever, you train your body, you, you're used to it, it's what you're used to. So people, people who retire from the fire service, reduce their age you know, looking in five, five years immediately because they're not on nice, nights, they're not you know, hanging around, they're not waiting. I'm blessed, I'm genuinely blessed to be doing it, I love it.
2: So he would finish a night shift, he wouldn't sleep in a couple of hours, he'd come to the gym, he'd be there for a couple of hours and then he'd be in here. Were the kids be asleep in between our no, gym
1: and them? I no, don't, I don't sleep in between nights. <laughs> this is mad. <laughs> because it's, because, no, but, this can't go on, mate. But no, I've done it for 25 years. <laughs> How and, but when I, when I sleep, I sleep proper. Oh, so well, yeah. After nights, after the gym, the gym finishes at half eight, so I get on my half nine, I go to bed, and I won't get up till nine the next day. So I'll do 12 hours. 12 hours is enough, twice as much as you need in my, you know, my being. So I can do six hours, five hours, two hours, one hour, and really? it'd be okay. It looks alright for
2: sixty-five. But <laughs>
1: <right? laughs> you know, you train your body. You're used to it. It's enjoyable, genuinely. You know. Yeah. And the 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 freedom I get from being a firefighter, I couldn't survive without it because I do you know I do two days, two nights, and then I have the remaining three days off. So it's, we have a rolling fortnight where we start one week on a Monday, the next week Tuesday, next week Wednesday. So I know what I'm doing for the next ten years, and yeah. I know what shifts that I'm on for the next ten years. So that's Essential, so I know what's going on with camps and stuff. So, you know, things are going for us in, in November. Got a busy, busy November. Hopefully, you know, got a, a lot to plan. So I know that prior to, so I'm very fortunate that, that, that my colleagues at work swap leave around with me. So I couldn't do it without that. Well, I know when we came to see
0: your camp, I don't know three, or four months ago. Jamie was watching Nigel take you on the pads we talked about the fact that Jamie can see a bit more of, of your shape and maybe mistakes and things that need correcting when you're at a distance not the one holding the pads mm. how integral
2: is he in your training setup he's very he's very important like he's obviously Jamie's I do more, most pad sessions with Jamie but I would do a lot with Nage as well and it's like it's a it's a work on relationship between Jamie and Nage. Yeah. both of them help each other out but there are different types of pads. Nigel, obviously being in this amateur club as well, and he's got uh, you know quality amateur fighters who he's having to look after all the time. Nigel's pads are a bit more like frantic, and I'm not saying that in a bad nah, way, nah. but it's busier. He yeah. works you harder. He works you harder, and it's like up in your toes, fast stuff, which I need and I like to do mm. as well. So I think I will have a good balance between like the real tactical stuff we do with Jamie. Which is a lot, you know. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of pauses in between sessions where we stop and we talk about what we're doing, and then Nigel's graft. But it's you're also thinking about it as well. So did you meet through Jamie? Yeah. You, that, yeah, So you know Nigel for
0: three, four years
2: or less. No, less, less, really. Less um, a lot less. A wow. couple of years, about just a week, isn't it? I think. Just, uh, but you spent you
0: spent enough time in each other's company yeah, to listen, know each other for the, the, ten
1: years. The, before I knew him, you know, you, you liked him. I like I like boxing. It's what I do. So I've done all my life. So I knew about him and stuff. And so when. When your kid comes in who, who just gets involved and just, he's who just, just part of the team, that's, what's, that's what matters to our gym. So, you know, we all bounce off each other. We all, we're all part of a, that ethic element, but it works well. You know, we're all, we all seem to be a, a, happy, you know, it all works in, in the pads. And so my, mine's higher because I've got, I'm thinking of, of three threes or four threes or five threes. But then when you're with one, someone in particular who's doing like a 10 round pad, Mm. You have to do it, you have to calm it all down. So it's just horses for courses. It's just how you, know, you, you, you work to your best attributes and, and I'm better when I'm keeping it up there. Yeah. And, and Jamie is the smaller, quieter, softer moments. And it, but it works and they're all uh, performing.
0: So we had um, Andy Clark on the podcast last week and this week on his podcast, Macklin's Take, they went to Fitzroy Lodge and they spoke to Mark Reigate. And I know you guys go a long, long way back. Was that your very first
1: club, Fitzroy? No, uh, my first club uh, in London. What happened was I was doing okay in Manchester, and my girlfriend at the time dumped me. And I was heartbroken, so I went away. I thought if I hang around here, and you know, I'll end up doing something stupid. That's her so, ringing to ask for you back. That's right. Yeah. Well, you'll see the fact that yeah. In fact, I'm busy. Busy. shouldn't even know me. <laughs> no, nah, she. So she. Uh, <laughs> she. So I moved away and went to London, spread my wings. Really. You know, I was doing okay as an amateur i had not had that many bouts, so I was doing okay. And my father was up here. I couldn't train with my dad, because he was my dad and I love him, but I couldn't train with him one-on-one and such. So uh, I went to London and on my dad's advice, I asked where I was going to go to the Repton. like everyone hears about the Repton and wants to go there, yeah, yeah. but my dad said, oh, Mickey am the best man that he knows. I went down there and and that was the start of a, a lifelong relationship. Who was
2: the bird that dumped you, Susie? Yeah. Was it? So That's his su- wife, So
1: Susie, Susie dumped me and I went away heartbroken. Uh, but then I stalked her. So in today's culture, I'd have a, a shredded oh, so this is, you know, this, this is now now my wife what? now. Yeah. No. So, so I went away. Oh, that's a nice end to the story. One of back there you go. Yeah. One of back and then, uh, and then we got married. <laughs> so, <laughs> married. so
0: genuinely, that she might have been on the. back. <laughs> no,
1: really, is you know. She doesn't talk to. Her. That, was no, the, she... that was the. That was the. It was the saving of us, really, because we were kids. You yeah. know, I, I've been with my wife since I was 14. Fond memories that you know that, I'll, that I'm trying to replicate here with you know with the kids from my side, but. I'll try and do everything like Mickey Cannon did and my father, you know, they're, they're my two biggest influences in boxing. Mm. So I, I'll just try and, and continue Mick's legacy and my father's part of this legacy here. So it's great, but I have fond memories of London. I was happy to come back because raising kids was, I think, is a different matter down there. It seems very remote. People don't seem as bothered up here. There's a lot more community it mm. seems friendlier. So, And I can't afford it, to be fair, you know, on firefighter's wage, I can't afford it. A gaff down there, so we're back in Manchester now, and, and I love it.
0: You started firefighting like '95, I think it was, wasn't it? '95, but, but January
1: '95. Yeah,
0: but you were living in you lived in Bishopsgate when the bomb went off, didn't you? Yeah, the truck bomb.
1: I, I worked. Yeah, couple so of years before, right? I was boxing for Mickey Carney, and I got a job. Yeah, I couldn't get. I had no qualifications really, and I got a bar job. So part, of and the reason I got that was because part of the the package was you got a, somewhere to live. So I got a flat above a pub. So when the bomb went off the Bishop's Gate bomb in that West Tower. I was thrown out of my bed, in bed, all sort of a sudden, bomb was like, what that?" And we went outside the pub, the square mile was just like a war zone. And it, so and there was a glass, it was raining down, maybe it's an exaggeration, but it, it seemed like for over an hour it was still raining glass, because the hour had expanded. It was it was mental. And I was just aghast and shocked and had no idea, No, obviously then it came out, what had happened. Well, I wasn't scared at all, you know, it wasn't something that I was worried about. You know, when I look back, I thought, wow, that was a bit a bit close. I wasn't a firefighter then, I was working in a pub with the dream of becoming a world cha- world champion boxer, which obviously never happened. <laughs> 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 was that the dream, then? Oh, without <laughs> a doubt. Did it, it, didn't, even, <laughs>
0: didn't even try to hold it <laughs> Didn't even try and <laughs> hold I it I oh, what well, I'd do
1: to these kids. Nah, yeah. so, yeah, I, uh, I was mad. down there to be a boxer, but... I was never going to be. I've earned and learned more out of this sport, you know In I mean? what I'm doing now, and not earning money. I'm doing it because the pleasure I get from it, you mm. know, is you can buy what I've got, you know, that respect element and, and, and doing what I do on a daily basis. And it's just a part of life. And my wife, she understands it as well, which makes it easier. It allows me to do it. So behind every good man you got, uh, an even better woman. And, yeah. that's, and that's my missus, Susie. She, she's the gaffer of our house.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know that as well, being yeah, an active fighter, you're away. I know, disappointing Philadelphia was because obviously you've been away for the family for mm. such a long time.
2: Yeah. Well, no, it's a similar setup like the, you know, I have at home. Christine is, um, she runs the house. Like, she does everything, looks after me, looks after the kids, doesn't do the cooking really so much. I like the cook, <laughs> but pretty much just does everything and allows me to come away and train and focus on on my job and, and fight. So it would be very, very similar.
1: We've got the easy job, really. Mm. You know, we're doing it. We're, Carly's away from from home. Mm. So it's, it's easy, the, he hasn't got to do genuinely it. Genuinely think
2: of it, like, you love your kids and stuff, and you look after them all the time, and you love being around them, but to be the person who has to stay at home and look after them, do everything, clean their arses. It's heck of a commitment. Yeah. Like, wash up feet. Do everything, mm. all the time. Yeah. Sometimes don't have adult conversation. You're speaking to two kids all day, yeah, every you day. Two come home so and it's then, really... <laughs> well, him. Do you, the, you, know <laughs> the yeah. you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Though it's, yeah, yeah, it's course, course. Yeah. I know what I
1: prefer to be doing. Yeah. In the relationship or the the, the situation with Car being away from home actually well should help him, but he can't do that without a, a smart message behind him. And Christie's Christie's top. Yeah. And she's the one she can have a drink as well. She's, she'll do for me. Sure, yeah. She's yeah, a yeah, good cook. <laughs> 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 There you
0: go. You won a couple of medals though. You you fought at the um, World Police and Firefighter Games. Yeah. Ninety nine, yeah. two
1: thousand four. You got medals and you got gold in one of them, didn't you? Yeah. I beat the Russian in the final. And these were like the kids who've been to the World Championships. But yeah, I beat him in the in the final. The Russian. That was in Calgary. Um, Did you? Yeah. I see, he keeps all aside, side of Noad. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, just happy times. Boxing's brought me happy times. Tr- you know, trials, tribulations, t- took me around the world. Mm. I would like, never... See,
2: see them world fire and police games? Like, they're all ringers, like, from them, like, oh, Soviet yeah. countries and all. Don't... Yeah. Like, not, like, it's probably, really, yeah. really good. He probably yeah. wasn't a fireman, even.
1: No, they just brought
2: him in, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? And him, oh, yeah, like, was, a permit, and
1: then in he goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's mad, dude. You, The customs the exercise, any, any law enforcement or, or, or civil servants or, like, firefighters can do it, prison wardens. And we went with the prison wardens, so... There was some top talent there, and it's this something like I believe it's the, the second largest sporting event after the Olympics, which is bigger than the Commonwealth. It was so in the massive. It was in Belfast. Police and Fire Games was in. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was
2: like a Belfast about three, three years ago. Something. I think maybe. Yeah, I remember. I was remember, say, remember like, yeah. yeah, it was rammed. The whole, I remember the opening ceremony and stuff. I didn't yeah. go to it, but it was on TV. Like it was rammed. And that was like,
1: again a proud moment for myself to go there, and then. To win a gold medal was was, was, was wicked, and then I got, I got beat by the, the Russian number one when I went to Barcelona. He uh, was very good, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, number one. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. But listen, St- did I, he stop you? Yeah? No, no, I didn't stop no, <laughs> you. I, wanted the answer, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah. gonna, and even though he says no, you're gonna go check the footage no. just to make sure he wasn't stopped. No, uh, <laughs> so, and that's yeah, there's not a lot of footage of me getting you know boxing. The one that what there is is me getting beat all over the place, but. When I went to Barcelona, I was going to finish after that. I was 33, 34. So I went to Barcelona, took my kids. You know, my, my youngest Sadie was a, was a baby, and Neve. And so I had a picture on the rostrum, silver medal, and that was going to be it. But just couldn't get rid of it. Just couldn't get rid of mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that, that bug and that, listen, there are kids going through it now. Tommy Carlos, you're still thinking about it. There's millions of kids. You always want to do one more. And I didn't feel ready to finish, even though. I probably should have done that point. That was probably the time when I finished. And I was going to turn professional at 20, 23, 24, 25. When I was 26, I was number two in Britain. Uh, the fire service had the final say. So you had to apply to be to do secondary occupations. So if you're a cab driver in the fire service, you have to apply to say, I'm going to be a cab driver, window cleaner, I'm going to be on TV. Like you guys, not you. Um, but yeah, and I did that and they said no can't first it's too dangerous mm. and I said I'm a firefighter fight you're talking about danger <laughs> yeah. he said no because so <clears throat> and to be fair in, in fairness I was a bit gutted but I, I wanted to do it but it was probably the best thing that happened to me because it, with the kids who were going pro at the same time Lewis Reynolds Marcus McCrae, they were finished within two years Craig Stanley these kids from the lodge cut eyes bad you know, advice or whatever and I stayed in the game for a further ten years after that and turned professional at 35, like a, like a nobhead, uh, just because I wanted to carry on. Did terrible. It uh, was old. My last contest got me be a journeyman, so it was over. It was uh, Jamie Ambler beat me, but I was I was tired, I was ill. It doesn't matter what else, you know, it doesn't matter. So people will look at my career, my pro career, and say, it was, it was shit, and I understand that, and I have no problems with that. I probably was shit as an amateur. But when I was number number two in the country, that was probably the highlights when I was doing well, going around the world and meeting people who are now like family to me. We'll
0: come on to your life after boxing in just a few moments' time. You're listening to and watching TKO on Joe together with 32 Red. You can subscribe via the usual channels. Now, though, if you've not been watching Liquid Football on Joe, where have you been? Who wore the most outrageous clothes of anyone that you played oh, with? Who? I'd have to say yeah. Mario Balotelli. Yeah, Balotelli me. definitely <laughs> wearing
2: yeah. anything.
0: I can't I can't remember his kind of most extreme looks. I just remember the "Wild with Me t-shirt and the and the bib that he struggled with. I sort of remember on field fashion good, stuff. Yeah. It was more like just name brand, but yeah. just just different name brands, just all like put together yeah. like if it was fresh Loud. and brand new yeah he would have it yeah. he'd just tell everyone how beautiful he yeah. is yeah all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. why well, come in and tell you how good he looked yeah, he'd yeah. tell
2: everyone he'd stand yeah. he'd be on a plane he go look how pretty I am everyone just <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> <It was crazy>. <laughs> 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 him and Mika used to argue about all it all actually I remember Even and Mika Richard <laughs> who was prettier yeah, <laughs> did, yeah <laughs> seriously did he get everyone else involved in that You used
0: to get everyone involved,
2: you didn't care. It's crazy.
0: That's Liquid Football here on Joe with Kelly and the Boys every Monday. Back here on TKO at the Moss Side Fire Station Boxing Gym with Nigel Travis. So, after you retired from boxing, the fire service has taken up the majority of your time, but then at what point did you start to go into the coaching side of things?
1: When I was coming towards the end of it, my wife was trying to persuade me to stop, made me promise that I was going to stop, but... I was already knew, I already knew I was going to stop, and she said, "Why don't you you know talk about um, about training?" So I was looking into it. It was just an easy transition. Mm. Uh, so I stopped boxing and then set this up on a whim, really. and uh, My wife said, "Do it." So she, she was behind it. about me coming down here, doing a couple of a couple of hours a week, not realizing that it becomes all-consuming. And not only the you, you know that you do two hours a week or three hours a week, you do everything. You have to run the gym. You have to match make. And then you get involved in the professional game, and it's and it's the same again, just bigger. Uh, the fire service were very supportive when we told them what we were doing. You actually
0: didn't ask for permission when you first started, did you?
1: I find it's easier to, to apologise afterwards when, you, when it's been really a <laughs> success than, 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 than seek permission and then find out. That was the basis of it.
0: Because I want to I kind of go back a few steps, first of all, before we get on to, to this, because there was a, obviously I want to set the scene for why you set this up in the first place but first of all I just want to come on to Jamie Moore because obviously he's a man that you know you guys spend a lot of time with probably more than anybody else you go back a long way with him and you sparred with him in the early days can you tell me what you've heard of this
2: so this sto- story right. story i heard was <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, you here. were you were pro weren't you at the time no no we were you no. were amateur Yeah. So he was an amateur, must have been later on in school. Jimmy was a pro down in Oliver's gym. And am I right in thinking you and Jimmy didn't know each other at this point? No. So his dad, who was G B coach, like Coach Dudley Harrison, the Olympic Gold Medal and stuff, was with him and they walked into Oliver's gym. And like other boxers listening to this podcast will understand this. If you just get a guy walking into your gym saying, Can I spar? You go, who's this dickhead? You you can't spar? Come and spar me. I'm going to punch your head in. (laughs) That's like the attitude normally. So that's what happened. Nigel and Calvin walked into Oliver's gym. Can we spar? Jamie says, yes, I'll spar him. And the story I've heard is Jamie punches him round the ring... (laughs) And, uh, I, and Kelvin throws a talon after the second round.
1: Never. <laughs> <laughs> he's always got a bit of, he's got to put a bit of sugar right on yeah but, they, yeah, but is it. What, what happened? I <laughs> <smash you already. laughs>
0: Right, okay. Okay, let's hear, let's hear your <laughs> version. No, of
1: it. It's pretty much like that, but it was already arranged. I, I had gone training with Dave Langon. he was Jamie's old amateur yeah. coach. And so David arranged for us to go and spar at Oliver's. I had a turn at. Roll neck, a, you know, like a, <laughs> okay. a sweat suit on, and I walked in this gym, and I've never felt the heat like it. So my amateur gyms have always been cold. So you get, you get, no such heat. Joe Galli's gyms like that, isn't it? Yeah, spoiling. you cold,
0: Is that an excuse? Come was too. Oh, warm? without a doubt. Yeah, it very much sounds. I, like and,
1: it. I, and, and I'm not putting no sugar on this. <laughs> You'll bet your own decision. Yeah, so I went in there, and it was the heat was unbelievable. And he's right, he punched the head off me. that's what they say in Ireland, Belfast. Yeah. He, me, he hit me all over the place and it's true that I walked back to the corner and Jamie said it, I, I don't remember this happening, but Jamie said he had the video of it of me walking back to the corner and as I walked back to the corner my dad, my dad goes, <laughs> because he hasn't smashed me, so, so we, we did four rounds and then I got out absolutely fatigued, done in and that was it, so I then went back the week after, obviously vest. You know, there's nice shorts, and punched the whole lot off him. So me and him then sparred. Did you? Yeah, I did. I, I did. I smashed his head. Because he'll deny it. Yeah. Like, because the problem is, if he's that's watching that's this right, right now and he's, and he's, I punched your head in. <laughs> 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 no. Uh, yeah. So, but then we then we had, and then, then it was a constant. And then Oliver said he had no amateurs, but I was I was welcome there because it seems to be a good acquisition for for their gym as such. Uh, mine and um, jamie's wives became best friends it
0: was, the, it was the anniversary of the um of jamie and matt macklin's fight it was yeah. saturday yeah one of the best
1: scraps i've ever seen yeah definitely So where were you for that i was at work i wouldn't go i could have got the night off uh, and obviously you had free tickets i genuinely didn't like watching jamie because you're close to nothing. Well, it's a good job as well yeah of all the fights yeah i didn't i didn't I don't like. I'm not a great watcher of fights, as such. Even though you watch them, you know, on, on the TV, or whatever. But I didn't. I never went to the fights. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be there. Because I was nervous, especially with Jamie. who was. It became yeah, became yeah, close yeah. quite quickly, and then as soon as our wives became pals, then that was it. But
0: how do you find it watching like Big Stevie or Tommy Coyle?
2: Find it all right? I don't know. It's really intense because you want them to win. It's it's weird because you can't like. You can't do anything you can't offer your help or even right. advice because it's noisy arenas so you can't even you're not in the corner so you can't even like give any advice you, obviously you let the corner men do that but mm-hmm. you shout and stuff knowing that they can't hear you but big stevie in that last fight with conroy like it was hard to watch really hard but it was fun. like yeah. oh. you know i was waiting for him but he got up and he and he won and fun. tommy in new york as well like yeah. it was heartbroken for yeah. tommy yeah. i think jamie made the right decision Although Tommy was upset at the time, he's, he's came to respect the decision. He knows it was the right decision at the time. But it's hard to watch people that you you love these people now. Yeah, sounds a bit sobby, but was true. No, but it, it's true it, yeah. it does.
1: It is. It's, it's a it's a tough love. But you, yeah, you've got massive amount of respect and, and love for these kids. You've spent so much time together. Hmm. Especially you know him and Steve. You know they're like an unmarried couple. You know they're arguing like you know man and wife sometimes. But you know they're you know. Hospital, yeah, yeah. at- obviously, yeah, because well, the women, the women <laughs> do rule the roost, so yeah, you are. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, so, yeah. But it's hard because it's, you can't, you have no import, soldier. you yeah. have import, but you, when it's on you, you can just get on with it and do it. Mm. So, so, so to watch a fight when, you, when you're your friends, it's harder, but when it's your job, it's different. Yeah. So, uh, you feel responsible for these kids.
0: So, let's talk about then go back to after retirement, Manchester at that point, particularly this area there was a lot of division, and that, I know you don't want to go into too much detail for obvious reasons, there were a couple of gangs that ran the show and then there was, like, a big splintering. It was bad, you said there was literally a designated police force just to deal with the gang yeah, rivalries so in this local
1: area. Local police thought Excalibur were, like, a gang unit and power to, to get rid of these groups. The lead people of these groups were taken to prison. Two gangs, they became 22 gangs, so they fraction and fraction and, fractioned and 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 people were setting up gangs you know every every two minutes and but it was dangerous so i it was it's a dangerous place but i think people have a perception a negative perception of this place being a certain way there are you know territories and places that some people can't go to because of whatever reason culturally or, or whatever you know gang affiliation we don't have that there's no allegiance to any club section culture Religiousness is to the gym, so you leave your, your colours at the door, you leave your, your problems at the door. You come in here, you do it, and they work together, and that builds bridges.
2: It's echoes of uh Jerry's story, yeah. Belfast and and, and all a lot of other clubs in, in mm. Belfast, um, we have our, our own trouble, different type of trouble. It's not like gang culture in Belfast, it's more paramilitary. Well, it was anyway, mm. and it was like pretty much just cut down the middle between loyalists and Republicans, but boxing clubs always seemed like a safe haven for kids to come and train and, again, like forget your allegiances or where you're from, whatever your background is, you just came into the gym and you weren't allowed to talk about it, you just had to train like, like everyone else and it sounds like it's similar to, to Nigel and, and, and his club with, with the gangs in Manchester.
0: Yeah. I mean, you said before that the variety of backgrounds of kids that you have is almost unlimited.
1: Yeah, it really is. There's no... You haven't got to be a certain thing, you haven't got to be a certain colour, certain sex, you know, gender, anything like that. There's nothing, we cater for anything and everything and everybody and everyone is welcome. Just because you've got a decent pair of uh, trainers or a decent pair of gloves doesn't make you a good boxer. It's classless. The place itself, the whole place is classless and it's all built on respect. And you know, when the kids come in here, they, they stand at the door, they have an interview and on the wall it says you have to respect each other, the community, other gym users, the coaches and yourself. That's a lot of the problems sometimes, kids don't respect themselves and mm. they, they want to be led. So really, there's a, there's a massive, not pressure but you know, influence that we have to influence these kids. So they want to come here to learn how to be a boxer, you know, learn how to be a fighter and you teach them life rather than teaching them about boxing. It's
2: interesting to see Nigel down here, like it's first time I come down here I think it was with Big Stevie Ward. Yeah. And, like, the way Nigel is here with the kids and the way he is with us, we're all grown-ups and men with our own children and stuff. You know, we train hard, but there's a bit more fun than we have fun. But he's strict with the kids, but not overly strict. And they all respect them though. And it's, It was different. It was completely different. I never expected it to be like that. But you have to be like that, and you have to be, like, a positive influence
0: for these young kids. Do a lot of these kids... I mean, not all of them, but is, is a common denominator that a lot of them are lacking, like, a, a male role model in their lives?
1: Maybe they're just lacking role models, whether that male or female, they haven't got anybody, or the people that they ha- they do aspire to to be like, you know, maybe not doing things that are pleasurable. So, just because you've got a black BMW, you know, blacked-out windows, you know, and you may maybe doing things out the back of it, they're maybe the kids who can aspire to be like them because they've got trainers called Balenciaga or whatever they're called, or this... Gucci this or... So they're the people they maybe aspire to be, but they don't know. They just aspire because they're the people everyone else talks about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not about... It's like anybody. Maybe in Belfast it'll be the same anywhere. You know, the kids want to better themselves. And it's the influence that you that you get, that you're religious. It's learned behaviour massively. And our learned behaviour is you're here on time. You especially You shame on when you, when you walk out the door. I tell them to go to church on a Sunday or go to mosque on a Friday, or whatever. But that's just, you know, just something for them to believe in. And in boxing, you know, we all want that added extra, whether that's um, strength the conditioning, nutrition, want a little bit more. And, and sometimes people get it through faith, having a faith in something else bigger than them. And I know, I know a lot don't, but I certainly did. It's something that was important in my life and I've carried that on. But the kids just want to learn and want to be part of something.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Cause- at Fitzroy Lodge, you know, they do a very similar thing with grassroots boxing. They bring kids in, and a part of what you're doing is teaching them how to box, but a part of what you're doing is giving them life skills and a sense of community Absolutely. and belonging. Of course, the beautiful thing is when you've set something up from scratch like you have, and it's been going for, is it, is it 12, new 12 years Yeah, it's 12 years, yeah. You obviously are going to get kids that have been there from the beginning, and then you take them to a point where actually they've made something of, of their life or their career. Connor Tudsbury is, is a young man that you took in at, I think, eight years of age?
1: That's correct, yeah.
0: So tell me a little bit about his journey, how he came in.
1: He came in with his mother. His mother brought him in. Um, just have a look, he was eight years of age. Very, very small, big coat on. And I said, listen, he's just a bit too small and young physically. They can't do it. And she said, no, but he's, he's dying to do that. I said, I haven't got the, the capability to look after him. Um, and he wouldn't be able to keep up. She said, oh, he'd be able to keep up. I said, listen, can, can you do pull-ups? Just jokingly. He went, i do got pull-ups. And he bounced. And we, we used to have a thing on that wall over there. And he bounced. And he sort of leaps off to, like, that base jumping. When you jump and he jumped, I started doing one-arm pull-ups. <laughs> and you like, what the fuck? It was just am- amazing. So It was a physical specimen. I thought, how can I turn this kid away? So... So, and that's what we did. Anytime a, a different group came, we had a, a female group came and said, I can have a session for women. We did it. A couple of hours a week, Suddenly came a lot. But it's of his story. That's how he started. He wasn't gonna do it. We weren't gonna do his session, but because he came in, we'll do an under 10 session. So we did that and he stayed with me. He's shown willing and the people have been in his ear for years about changing to different gyms you know, and then whispers who said, come on my gym, I'll teach you. Cause he's a, he's a gifted athlete. Physically, and, and we taught him, I'd like to think everything that he knows, myself, my dad, you know, other, other coaches in the gym. And he's the, the fruits of the labour that you'd like to see. But genuinely, some of our great successes, Connor's one of them, definitely. But some of the, the kids who've never boxed, some of the kids who can look you in the eye who couldn't five years ago, who've lost massive amounts of weight, mm. so are not obese, so the health problems that they had, they're now better people, so anyone who walks in that, that door, as long as they become a better person at the end of it, that's our journey and that's our message. The fact that Connor susby has gone on, won a, a bronze medal at the at the, at the Europeans, won a, a bronze medal at the Worlds. He's GB you number
0: know, two at Light Heavyweight G, now. GB
1: number two at Light Heavyweight. He's, you know, he's just got on the GB programme, so and it's just a start for him. And if he becomes a rich man because of boxing, then great, but I'm not saying my job's done, But the fact my job is done fundamentally because he's you know, where he is is he's better off for having me in his life and our gym. That's a message for anybody.
0: Obviously you're you're like always thinking about the exit strategy from boxing and what the future's gonna hold because you know you know, history tells us how lonely life can be after boxing. I know one of the things you wanna try and do is give back to the communities that you grew up in and, and elsewhere. Does this man's story
2: make you think how great it would be to be involved in? some sort of community project like this? Of course it does. Look, like, I, I was just speaking to Christine about it, talking about the good influences I have around me in my mm-hmm. life at the minute with Nage, Jamie, Martin Murray, Tommy Coyle. Anyone else? Eat? Yeah, you're all right. Sai's <laughs> <laughs> um, so waving over as well. But, um, <laughs> you know, I've got good influence and real, you know, family men, yeah. but they all have this great work ethic and they all work hard, but their family is always the most important thing to them. But the community spirit around this gym and stuff. I've been in here a few times now and it's it's rammed with people mm. of all races and religions and men, women, kids, older people. It's great to see, but it's like, as a kid, you're talking about, like, influences and, and people who you look up to and respect. The biggest influence in my life, he says the biggest influence was Mickey Carney and his dad. Biggest influence in my life was Billy McKee, my old amateur coach, because he's, like, everything about him, he's just, like, in my opinion, he is what a man should be. He's honest, he's strong, he's his own man. He doesn't let people tell him what to do, but he's very respectful. But I said honest at the start, but he's the most honest person I know. And I like to think that I've learned, me personally, a lot from from guys like Billy, and I'm learning a lot from, from guys like Nigel. But when I do call it a day, whenever that may be in this game, like I think it's important if you have if you have the ability to give back a wee bit to the community that brought you up and, and made you what you are, you should do it. So I would always like to get involved in, in things and help out help mm-hmm. out young kids who were just like me at one point and, and needed a wee bit of direction. People ask me about, would you be a coach? I wouldn't be a coach. Mm-hmm. I talk about Jamie and Nage because it's like, when you're a boxer, you train and boxing kind of takes over your life. When you're a coach, you have you have that times ten because mm. you, you have to look after. You have like kind well, of, You're there for the sessions, but you also got to plan course. the sessions when and, and you have to watch opponents and figure oh, out what's yeah. happening after and and setting up trips and training camps and stuff. Your whole life is completely run by boxing. I don't think I would ever coach because I've given up my life to boxing and I've missed a lot of family time, I've been away from the family mm. a lot, and it would kind of it would just happen again if it was coaching, but I would always like to be involved. I'd like to mentor people. And I like to give back and help, and but coaching is a different,
1: it's a different animal, really. But, he's, but he's, he'll, he'll understand it, and that's the problem he'll have. Is he knows the game because he's been in the game all his life, you know, a high-level amateur and, and the highest-level professional. So he knows about it. So he's got his input is invaluable to so many people. Whether it's on a, as, as a coach, he's got so much you know, in that mm. very small head that he's got.
2: A small head or a big head? One well, says a big head, I'll take a small head. <laughs> yeah.
0: The good news about this place is you've got a planning permission for expansion.
1: Yes. We've just been granted planning permission to build above another floor, exactly the same, So, because we are full to capacity. We're over capacity, in all honesty. Mm. So we can have 80 kids in a small area like this. Um, so while they're in here, they're not doing their noughties out there. But we do need more space, so we're looking at going up and also putting a classroom on the side to engage with kids who can't go to school. Some of our kids can't go to school because there are whatever issues they've got themselves, the classroom doesn't best suit them. So, in gym, it's tough love, as I said previously, you know. They do as they're told, and if they want to do the boxing, then they'd have to do the maths, English or whatever. But we are right in the process of doing it now as we speak. We're hopefully getting the lease. Andy Burnham's promised me that, that he'll facilitate at least for me with, with the combine authority so when that's done when we get a lease, we can then go to sports england and, and god willing they'll be they'll be they'll see the, the value of us which is i think it's obvious the value mm-hmm. that, we, that we provide if diversity you know i never knew what it meant now i understand it you know intimately because i'm here every day and, and i didn't know surgery macy's and languages and stuff but the common thread is respect they do it whether they can speak English or not, whether they're male or not, whatever sexuality, that doesn't matter to us. Mm. You know, they're, they're part of our club. So it's part of a gang. It is the gang element, but it's a different kind of gang. It's a, you know, everyone wants to be part of something, you know. And- he
2: has a spiel, doesn't he? Like, I like that's a good <laughs> that's a good thing.
0: i got some questions from, uh, from Jamie Moore, because I didn't want to leave him out.
1: You always have to make it about them, honestly. You know, <laughs> they, they always have to make it about him. And Who, or, me? And no, know, I Alex. haven't
0: even asked anything. He's already, he's already <laughs> got in his head. I'm already defensive. Well, I've already, I've already said asking ask him about our first spell. We've done that. I'm going to ask this one to you, Carl. Um, he says,
2: why do we call him Captain Chaos? He's just chaos. He's everything. He's like chaos. He's like <laughs> <laughs> everything. He's like a tornado running through like a small area, like <laughs> smashing things to bits. He's full of beans. He's, he's just non-stop. I've never seen him. I've never seen you sleep.
1: Oh, obviously no, like. What happened happen
2: No, I mean, like, I've travelled about. What happened stuff, you on flights and well, stuff? I've I mean, seen him on flights. I've never seen him like goes off or. Well, even f- in Philadelphia, Philadelphia after
0: the longest day ever, I remember getting there and everyone sort of starting <laughs> to crash. And You went, <laughs> on, stay up and stuck. have a few beers with us." I'm like, "Mate, we've got four shows to do this <laughs> week." you have a few. I'm like, man I really can't." All right, Captain Chaos, done. We'll do 32 second challenge in a little while, but I want to ask you before that. Because it doesn't really seem like you have time to do anything else amidst all that you do. But you do fit in a bit of acting and a bit of, bit of work on screen. Yeah. So this started in, I was reading in the 80s, you were a, like a drama or a theatre school. Why are you laughing, first of all? No, I didn't know he was a, did you? Did you like? Yeah, he did a did you, bit of drama school, didn't
1: he? I did a theatre workshop in the 80s. So I was 10, 11, 12. It was just a bit too effeminate. I was a young 12, 13, 14 I was like ah, don't hang around with them gay kids over there so just, I just had no idea
2: yeah.
1: because they were all very you know, pronounced and everyone had tights on and makeup and I was like well, was... But, so, but I went and I enjoyed it I had a bit of a bug I liked it like the performing element and when I was in London uh, they used to come into the Fitzroy Lodge take photographs of us ask us to say a few words and said listen would you fancy doing a little bit of this and I said yeah why not It'd be a laugh so I got a part in a in a film. First did a little bit of extra work as such, but got a part in a film and, and that became something else, which became something else. So um, the first part was, first speaking role was playing opposite Stevie Bell, who played a bare knuckle fighter, struggling with his sexuality. So he was he was a, basically a gay bare knuckle fighter who could fight and I was the, the tough guy who was in the opposite corner and bashed Stevie Bell up he was obviously an international boxer so i did that and then the guy who the stunt coordinator who was doing all the fights said i think you can do this would you fancy doing i went yeah why not so the more i did the more i got and then Got an agent, <laughs> <laughs> which I know, which oh. I know is a is a big. Uh... Obviously, you will hear about it because obviously, because obviously, you booked him. To, I haven't. I haven't about it. The agent.
2: <laughs> he like he keeps talking. He goes on about his agent all the time. Oh, my agent. Yeah, my fucking agent. <laughs> <laughs> I have an agent for him, but he's uh Martin Murray. Got a video of him when we were in Tanner Reef training. Just going on about his agent. Now he says <laughs> no. <laughs> he says he knew. I wasn't Murray going was on about my agent. He was going on about going his on... agent. You were
1: all deaf.
2: The video's on Instagram so you can watch yeah, it yeah. I
1: wasn't, he was asking me about my agent what oh, about your agent him. and I said so he was asking me obviously I knew he was recording me no but, you didn't know tell the truth I'm you didn't to, know listen, watch the video he'd, he'd if, he'd if asked, he knew about, he's the greatest about, uh, actor of all time there's off. absolutely <laughs> no chance he
2: knew <laughs> uh, <laughs> not a chance
1: well anyway so yeah so got agent and the more I did the more I did the more I got I was on Peaky Blinders I got I didn't, it wasn't Peaky Blinders when, when I went for it and I've always wore. What do you mean it wasn't? Was it wasn't It, it, it was. It, it wasn't called Piggy Blinders. I didn't know what I was going for I got a smart, but my agents yeah. are going to read for this, this piece. So I went and I went with, with my hat. Obviously, because I wore it everywhere. I've always wore oh, it. So You didn't know that was a thing. No, that was on. Yes, yeah, so I the, just pe- pe- assumed that that was a, it, that influenced I, I you. I think everyone does because you've worn it. Oh, I people I, do. They, do. they do. But, And people yeah. say, you know, people think I'm trying to carry on that thing, that five moments of fame, you know, about being in Big oh, Blinders. Yeah, yeah. and it. So I've worn it. Since I was, I've got a video of me at the Fish Royal Lodge. Oh, that's uh,
0: fucking lucky, isn't
1: it? As an 18 year old lad with the With a I mean, flat cap. a Peaky Blinders hat. These are Baker Boy hats. Uh, Baker Boy hats, yeah. yeah. Baker Boy hats, that's what they're called. Mm. I stopped wearing it when I went on it because people were saying, you're wearing that because of Peaky Blinders. But, um, so I stopped wearing it for a bit. I thought, why am I stopping wearing this? I haven't worn it because of Peaky Blinders. So people can believe me or oh, not. It doesn't matter, but I've got loads of footage of me with, with these hats on and I've worn them for years. When I went for the audition, the guy went, ah. Oh. So you know when I went? No i went the, the hats and I went. <laughs> so they told me what the store was and I went, I have no idea what he's talking wow. about. And they had razor blades and all this, and so that was it. So the guy who auditioned me, I got I got the part, and then he said to me, Do you want do you know any, any flat nose gives who look like they can have a fire? I said, so I've got a gym full of them. <laughs> yeah. So I took loads of photographs of kids in here <laughs> and sent them up to them. They never came back to me. And then we were drunk again, me and my wife, uh, Colleen, and Jamie having an end of thing in my house. And I said, ah, i so I took a photograph of him and they went, We like him. Who's he? I said, Ah, he's just some kid. I don't know. Is he a boxer? I went, Yeah, he said, of course. What do you want? She went, What does he fancy doing it? So Jamie came on it with me and <laughs> did a little bit of it. So it was a laugh, but Jamie said, It's not for me hanging around a lot, doing loads of hanging around. Yeah, it's a lot of waiting around. A is lot it? of waiting around, but listen, it's it, again, it's just fun. It Genuinely, just they're
2: made. Lee, who's in it. Um, yeah. Johnny Dogs, is he? Yeah, Johnny in the show? Dogs. Yeah. And I know Packy as well. He's a he's a he's a good lad. Obviously, they've been in the show, and you were in a couple of episodes, weren't I you? Jimmy yeah, was in yeah. one.
1: Yeah.
2: And I said, look, you get me a cameo role on Piggy Blinder just oh, to walk I'm through. Sure. I'd love it. And he says, ah. Oh, yeah, you know, we'll see what we can do. And I went like Nigel and Jamie and all brought it. And he went, yeah, but they're ugly bastards. <laughs> I think that's what they were looking like. I'm, I'm laughing like. <laughs> <laughs> they were looking. <laughs> they were looking. What he said was, yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a bit too attractive for <laughs> piggy Blender He's a liar.
1: And Johnny was. Uh, Paggy was the top kid, and uh, so now we see him all the time. Every time we got Belfast, he's there. And he loves loves the game, mm. loves it, and does a little bit of himself. Does a little bit of training. I just did it. I had a go at it, and I've been sent for a few things since. So it's it's just a laugh. You know, yeah. it's not something that I can see myself doing massively all the time. But I've done it enough, and I, and I enjoy it when I, when I get it. I do get still get um, certain things. I'm doing a short film here in a few weeks. So stuff about mental health and stuff like that, So... Chin, chin by
2: Tracy Barlow as well.
1: Yeah, I got chin. So, uh, the oh, yeah, the Coronation show got bashed up by. Uh, to be fair, every, every time I've been on television, I've been bashed up, but, but luckily it's only acting. <laughs>
0: obviously, obviously. Well, apart from that time you were on a stag doing, got chin, uh, but, you know, uh, it swings him around. i from
1: behind, sniping, I think, in the tournaments. Still still defending the girl,
0: <laughs> 15 years on. Well, mate, listen, it's been it's been a pleasure. I think you've learned a few bits
1: about him today as well. I have, yeah,
0: yeah. I thought you knew it all, but no. It's,
1: uh, no. Thanks for coming down, thanks for, you know, looking after our gym it's the place is, is the future and it's a start but you know the if gyms gyms like this were were in every area where there's poverty i think you've, you've reduced crime massively
0: yeah well mate, congratulations and, and good luck with the expansion and stuff thank you happens. um before you go we're going to do the 32 second challenge with 32 red uh with nigel travis so have you seen this before you watch the show i listen to it yeah right so big big fan yeah. big big fan <laughs> It's nice to meet view. someone that is. Have yeah. I? I've never seen it, no. No, I,
1: of you, not. I'm a big fan of you.
0: Yeah, but you have to spend time with him every day. So. Would you
2: listen to the show if it was Chris Lloyd? 100%. Or, just, or Chris say, Lloyd? Yeah, it you're the hand. We, we can always He's look at what the viewing figures were when you
0: were away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, don't mean, I don't want to say that there's a correlation, but they were pretty good. Uh, right, here's your <laughs> fucking 32 second challenge, about two and a half minutes. Uh, right, so 32 second challenge with 32 red uh, with Nigel Travis. Fire. Home. Fitzroy Lodge. Home again. Tracy Barlow. Battered. Tommy Shelby. Good-looking man. Bishopsgate Bomb. Youth. The youth of today. Need a chance. Oldham Theatre.
1: The start of something silly. Side. Third home.
0: Uh, Corrie.
1: <laughs> Just a laugh.
0: Uh, <laughs> Captain Chaos.
1: Stupid name.
0: Uh, this is one we haven't talked about.
1: Sparring Amir Khan. Quick, sharp, fast. Mm. Instagram or Twitter? Twitter. I'm not on Instagram. I haven't got an account.
0: Lads reckon you're funnier on Twitter than Instagram. That's the reason. Right. There's definitely an Instagram account. Is there? Uh, Oh, no, Joel, yeah. Let
1: me just say that. It's not me. (laughs) (laughs) The Instagram account is not of me. Why am I be taking the piss out of myself? (laughs) It's not me. Even
0: John Fury. Uh, And finally, Carl Frampton. Diddy Coy.
2: Diddy Coy.
1: What's that? It's a small Irish leprechaun uh, I
2: didn't know what it was. He's always called me Diddy Coy since I came here. I didn't know what he was talking about. From Biggie Blimey. Do you know what I thought it was? Diddy Coy? I thought it was something to do with Ken Dodd and the Diddy Man.
0: Oh, (laughs) Oh, Christ, that's great. (laughs) And that is all we've got time for uh, on TKO. Thanks for listening and watching. Nigel Travis, an absolute pleasure. We will be back as always in. Oh, Oh, Oh,
1: happy
2: birthday, son! No! Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday, sing along. John, you're the singer. Happy Happy. birthday, dear Chris. Happy birthday to, to we, you. We moms. couldn't light them in a fire station.
0: Oh, you, it's not, exactly. It's, it's well,
1: you,
2: it's the one place you could light them is
0: probably in a fire station.
1: Genuinely, you... I will put it out. I'm a fire... The fire is the devil, yeah? It's really nice
0: that you've done something so lovely for me on the show. I'm just going to let our audience listen to the voice note you left me uh, about my birthday. So, obviously, that was lovely. This is what... Oh, so, so on, Carl, Carl what obviously, the, the nice guy on screen, this is what he left me a couple of days ago when I said, oh, it's my birthday on Thursday. Say... Don't be out
2: that shit. birthdays aren't fucking days off. I train on my birthdays. I train on my kids' birthdays. I fucking train on my wife's birthday. So, Chris, you can go and fuck yourself. i the looking at
0: it's, not, it's really nice, I always think, when you find friendship in unusual places. Uh, mate, thank you very much. We're going to cut this and have a slice? Yeah. Yes. We can you have a little slice? A small slice. Okay, good stuff. All right, Diddy Koi. cheers, mate. Uh, thanks for watching uh, TKO on Joe together with 32Red. Happy birthday to me. Uh, we'll see you again in seven days' time. Cheers. You've been listening to TKO on Joe. Together with 32Red.